0: NBA Most Valuable Player Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing
2: the lob.
3: Hey there. Welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast. Proudly a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am Ty Windish. I am joined, as always, by my analytic co-host, Rohan Kadi And we are recording right after the Bucks dispatched the Orlando Magic in a very ho-hum, wire-to-wire blowout affair. But we're going to bring some excitement back after what was, I don't want to say boring because there was fun moments, but definitely not a uh, a thrilling game or a close finish. All that said, Rohan, how's it going?
2: doing i'm doing well it was a nice nice weekend in terms of weather it's just uh it's it's just chill and you get a bucks win we're they, these are kind of rare we've been on a three-game losing streak uh it's just it's nice to win games that you should win
3: yes i will agree with that hot take uh by you right there it is indeed nice to win games uh you've you've got me on that so let's do our stock market moves before sort of reacting to this game and taking any questions or topics that folks in the chat or anyone who wants to come up on stage wants to do. And, of course, we'll have to touch on Giannis at some point, which is just what you do on every podcast. If if Giannis hasn't played in a little while, he missed his fifth straight game against the Magic. But we have stonks to do a lot of players up. One player down this week, although up today, Pat Connaughton, my short, so I'm coming in a little bit of extra buying power, a little extra juice. Pat was really slumping before this most recent game, but I I figured good Pat would be around sooner or later. It was nice to see, obviously, Giannis' stock not moving because he hasn't played, but some interesting trends going on. Chris Middleton dropping like a rock before rebounding a little bit today. That was nice, too. Dante is just like Christmas colors on his stock sheet. Red, green, red, green, red, green. I think that's just going to be a trend for a while. Um, I, we have to start as always, though. Do we have any any stock sales this week, Rohan?
2: I am going to make a sale that I did not think I would make. Oh. Uh, so this is it's sort of been a shtick or a brand of mine. I'm going to sell half. So three of my John Horst
3: stock. Oh, that's funny. I'm selling. I'm selling all of mine. So all. Oh,
2: oh boy.
3: Yeah. Okay. Tell me why. I, I just don't think there's going to be that much more movement. I mean, this there's the 15th spot, right? That's the one that feels like to me the one thing that could really be a big move for the GM of the Bucks at this point, point. and he could. I mean, theoretically, like if a game where like Drew and Bobby and Bryn all look really good, he could grab an up stock here or there. But I just feel like I don't think there's going to be a ton of horse movement over the rest of the regular season. Whereas I can take my earnings there because the Drew deal did get done, thank, thank the Lord, and invest them somewhere else with with more growing potential. So you're selling half of your horse. You what is what? that? Make it, That's make three. It four.
2: Make it you're three. selling
3: four horse, and I'm selling three horse. So we're both selling on John Horst. I think neither of us are out on John Horst. I just don't see the case for him being all that impactful the rest of their year, right? No more trades. The most that's going to happen, I think, at this point, is a fifteenth guy being signed. None of the options are all that appetizing, as we laid out on the last pod. So, yeah, I uh, why hold on the horse at this point?
2: Exactly, exactly my thoughts. Plus, I just I want to I want to cash out a little. bit.
3: So. exactly,
2: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do you have any other sales you want to make besides uh, selling all of your horse, which is, wow, what is that? Five?
3: Yeah. Five shares of horse. I I went in right before the extension uh, happened. So I'm getting 20 out of that. You're getting 16 out of yours. We got real money to spend, which should make this fun. I still have not entirely planned out what I'm going to do yet, but no, that will be my last sale is moving on from my horse stock. So it's time to buy.
2: Okay. Do you want to go or should I?
3: I'll go. See, I'm going to – it's tough. It's tough. You know what? Let me go in. I, I went out last week, and I felt bad about it. And I was right to do so, but I still felt bad about it. I'm going to come back in on a Chris Middleton here to start things off. Let there me get one know. at 17. A good Chris Middleton game, which we desperately needed to see. And I will buy back into the, the Tough Shot Express stock. Uh, and invest seventeen of my forty five into Chris Middleton shares.
2: Okay. Okay. I like it. I I'm not gonna buy Chris Middleton.
3: Because oh oh already, who's the non believer now?
2: No, it's not a non-believer. You you, you cut me off Ty. I, I already oh, okay. have three shares of Chris Middleton. Okay. Okay. I have three shares. So that's proof that I am a believer. And I still am a believer. I've always been a believer. Mm-hmm. That's 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 something we can both be proud of when it actually pays off, if it pays off. when, when we're i <laughs> oh, uh, true believer. I changed it. I changed it. I'm gonna. Uh, this is tough. This this is tough. Uh, I, just, I
3: feel like we're doing too good of a job with the valuations because nothing right now screams out like obvious purchase.
2: Hey, I mean that's a <laughs> it's a good thing for us. I'll say that. I'm going to – this might be This might be a wrong wrong
3: move. Oh, it's never really a wrong move. Give me a Giannis. Oh, see, I, I'm thinking about this too. Like there's – I was going to say just because he's been out so long, but it feels to me the way he looks on the bench. I guess we're just going to do this now. I feel like he could come back almost at any point, and they're just really trying to give that knee a full rest from NBA game action. Like, I don't know. I'm not concerned. This doesn't, to me, feel like a big – A big like he's really going to be out for a long time. I mean, just body language, doc. Checking into the office here, whatever. I thought he. I I think he's looked like he's having fun and and feeling good every single game on the sidelines. Even sometimes when there's not much to feel good about, the Bucks on that specific night. So I I like this buy. I don't think that this is going to be sitting inactive for all that long.
2: Yeah, I mean he's had what it's been reported that he's just been had a ping, uh, knee soreness, like general left knee soreness. Yeah. And this has been a thing that's been ongoing for years, years now, like four, five years now,
3: I want to say. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. He's been in the league for a while now. Wow. You uh, know he's never missed more than two straight games before. i I dug that up today. Isn't that wild? Considering that, that wild. we all know he's had this knee soreness. He's never missed nearly this many games in a row. And people are saying, Correctly, he would have if the season didn't get halted by you know that pandemic thing last year. Um, it seemed ongoing. like he was he was yeah the ongoing. Unfortunately, uh, it seemed like he was on on track to miss like a week or so then, but season shut down. He missed two games, and then by the time it resumed, he was good to go and he played in the Bucks' first game back. So yeah, officially the longest absence uh, streak of Giannis's career, but it does. I, I think there is because people are familiar with. You know, he's literally a Greek god, and knees are not made to do what Giannis's knees do on a regular basis. I I don't think people are panicking too much yet, which is good.
2: No, it's it should be it should be okay just based on what we've been seeing, what we've been hearing. Like the last game he played was the uh, Trailblazers game where he scored forty seven points, and he seemed like he was experiencing the same discomfort that he is currently doing. So. Yeah take that as you will <laughs> um, I think I think he'll be fine he might even return for the next couple games he's the bucks are entering you know sort of like a stretch where they're playing like I think it was five games in seven days or something like that this, so,
3: this season schedule just stinks man
2: it's awful this it's is awful, terrible. especially especially with all the postponements that happened in the first half of the season oh, yeah. that are now being made up for uh, in the second half of the season. Thankfully the bucks don't really have to worry too much about that, but there are other teams like the Grizzlies who are just absolutely packed with games, but it's, it's good. Just get Giannis the rest. They didn't need him today to
3: absolutely wipe the floor with the Orlando magic. So it's fine. Correct. Okay. You know, give me at the nasty, give me, give me, his, give me his bro. Give me his big bro. Not an upstock tonight. And actually a downstock the last time we saw it, the Nasus because Really, I think that the, from the last game to this game, what was put into perspective for me was there's a like role players look so good on the Bucks for a reason, and it's the reason is because they can be role players. Like I, not, I'm blanking right now on who they even played. Le- the Hornets, the Hornets, the Hornets and the Magic. I've said this before; just feel like the same franchise to me. Yes, so I can't. Exactly, I just I cannot differentiate them, but. Having Bobby Portis and Thanasis as de facto the Bucks' two best players in that game turned into a mess pretty quickly, which should be expected. I mean, um, Portis, I think, is, is a better offensive player, clearly, but he's not like an offense within himself like some guys around the league are. They, those guys need to be in a structure that enables them to not be the first option or co-first option for all of their minutes. So it was nice to see both of them look much better in uh, the win tonight against Charlotte than they did – or excuse me, in the win tonight against Orlando <laughs> than they did in the Charlotte game. I mean, it, they should at least – one of them should change their colors. Like, I cannot tell those teams apart. But Or uh, one I'm of them gonna, should be good. Yeah, yeah that would – I think Orlando's a lot farther away. Um, but I'm going to buy the NASA stock just because he's just looked consistently good outside of that last game where you could tell, like, he was pressing. There was not enough offense. It was what it was. When he's been on the floor with good players, he's helped the team. He's looked good. The offensive rebounding is there. The defense is there. I mean, you've called out his defense a couple times as being quite good. I've seen him guard four guys in one possession and, like, do it pretty deftly. All of a sudden, he's getting to the rim a bit, too. And he doesn't always finish. Uh, I won't say Dante-esque. It's not that bad. But he he has some some trouble finishing at the rim from time to time. But tonight, a gorgeous, like, back to the basket, left hand over finger roll, layup in traffic over a defender. Like, the Nasus can play. And I don't understand how it's – I don't know how we've gotten here so quickly, but I want to uh, I wanna just invest in the fun here.
2: Yeah, for sure. You talked about his defense. In that game against the Mavericks, he went from guarding Porzingis to guarding Luca in the same game. I think it was the same quarter. He went to doing that and he was giving Lucas some fits and he was think, also locking up uh, KP, even though like in overall KP had a great game. And even tonight he had a massive block on Mo Bamba. Like, who, Oh my goodness. And like you mentioned, he's starting to get to the rim more. He's just, he's becoming a complete player.
3: I almost like him guarding wings and guards better than big guys at this point.
2: He's, he's proving he can be a stopper. I, I think the whole point is he can switch. We're driven
0: by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
3: I think that's what – I mean, at one point, Orlando was running an offensive set kind of over on the wing, and all they got was they switched from Thanasis to Drew or back and forth, whichever way. And it's like that. that's – again, we talked about this with P.J. Tucker, but it's like you're not accomplishing anything if you force that switch. You basically just wasted your time because you're not getting anyone to take advantage of. So the more players you have that you feel comfortable playing that can switch like that, the better, it seems – Like the Bucks got themselves one of those in Thanasis, which again, what a wild statement that I never thought I'd make at the start of the season. But I will take it. I'm just I'm enjoying it. I'm committed to enjoying it at this point.
1: The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.
2: Fair enough. Um, so you bought one Thanasis. I I think you have, have eight
3: left and I have 17 I left. Okay.
2: So, I was thinking, this is tough. This is really properly evaluated. Not to toot our own horns, but it is. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking if I should buy another Jeff Teague. But not a, a bad, bad is a lot.
3: Jeff, that's I mean, Pat. not sorry, gonna, six. Pat. Not sorry, six. I don't know why Please. I said Jeff Teague. Yeah, okay. I meant to oh. say Pat. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think the difficult thing with Pat for me right now is... Assuming Giannis and PJ get healthy sometime soon, the minutes are just kind of drying up at forward. And honestly, I think Thanassus has been a little bit better than Pat over the last couple of weeks. I mean, certainly before tonight, over the last week, not no question, Thanassus has been better. The difference is just going to be Pat can still shoot, and even he had a slump. He did not have a slump in the game tonight. But I think even if Thanasis is better at just about everything else that, that both of them do. Pat might be a better rebounder, honestly. Pat's a really good rebounder, but the Pat can shoot oh, from, from Yeah, Pat can shoot from outside. Who is Pat or the Pat. Yeah, yeah. Pat okay. is an
2: elite rebounder.
3: He's really for his size, he's incredible. Um But he, he has that outside shot that the Nassus just doesn't. And I do think on this team with Giannis and kind of with Brooke Lopez. It's just such a limiting factor if you can't shoot threes. So I do – again, I've said this before. If the Nasus was on Pat's level of shooting, Pat just has no no role that makes any sense at all. I don't know. Some people Aside think – Aside from being Giannis' friend, which is still good. Yeah, but he's not even as good of a Giannis friend as the Nasus, his literal brother. Oh so God, he's right. he's being outdone in everything by the Nasus at that point. Um, but yeah, I'm just a little worried about his min- – oh, I'm not worried in an overall sense, but for buying Pat stock, I'm a little worried about his minutes, I but will say, it is Bud. So yeah,
2: giving Pat less minutes might, might not help. be, a yeah. yeah, it might help honestly, because you get, theoretically you get more uh, condensed Pat minutes, which in, he tries to do uh, more Pat things in less time. So that could end up being good. It could also end up being bad, but you know what? Let's roll with it. Give me a Pat.
3: All right, why not? Why not? So that is. Uh, oh, you're gonna have two left to play with. Yes, sir. Okay. Oh, it's PJ Tucker's two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Sounds good. Um, I, you know, Bryn Forbes fits into my last 17. I'm sorry, there's no way I'm buying Bryn Forbes at 17. Really good week for Bryn Forbes. Three up stocks in his last five games. I, I'm I'm a Bryn Forbes tr- true believer still still throughout. I think I think that like. What was it? Crusting when things go low, like the water goes. It was low tide for Bryn Forbes love on Bucks Twitter for a while here. I hung in there. I still believe I'm holding my stock. I'm not interested in buying uh, at that price, but this is tough. This is tough. You're, it's, we are good. You know what? Give me one of each of the kids. Give me, give me a war and Meryl. I did this last time too. It paid off last time. I don't, I never know which of them, is going to rise at any given moment. Every time I feel like I am like all in on Merrill, Wara surges. Every time I'm like, wow, Wara can really score the ball, Merrill surges. So I am going to go ahead and grab one share of each of the rookies. Is it just me or is this like legit steals at 45 and 60 in the draft?
2: Oh, they definitely feel like steals. Credit to the Bucks; They haven't really hit on first round picks, but they definitely hit on second round picks. And it, it Only if like you get like that first round Marrow. pick
3: thing done. Down. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so you're getting a war and Merrill?
3: Yeah, I'm getting a war and a Merrill. So. Just, you have
2: one I have left.
3: one left and you have two, yeah. Okay.
2: I could buy a PJ Tucker here, but that's not fun. I'm going to get
3: two Tupans. Oh my goodness. We, I have to buy Axel 2. So our last move, we're buying an Axel 2 Yes, sir. I I cannot see the stock ever moving, so I'll probably just sell it next week and get one buying power back. Um, yeah, I, he's tall. I think that's the story with Axel, right? I, I, what else? What else does Axel have going on? Uh, he he
2: gets on the basketball court when no one else can.
3: I it, I really think his biggest utility is defending inbounders only. Yes and that's just like the most niche role i've ever even conceived of on a basketball court i mean hey if that's the one thing you can do at least shine in your role this is the most bizarre two-way signing the bucks have ever done and this is a team who had bonzi colson on a two-way at one point <laughs> bowling <laughs> ball bonzi, bonzi <laughs> like a 6-5 power forward who could not shoot and that was one of their early two ways, and Yo, Bonzi, I was just like Bonzi a good guy, a, a good guy. But like, why, dude? Like, what is the upside?
2: Here? <laughs> I'll I'll argue that Bonzi was better than Tupon.
3: Yeah, I, I do not understand the Dupond thing whatsoever. Like,
2: maybe they I mean, owed him something. There was like some back market deal when they signed <laughs> him back like four years ago. Did he was he
3: only ever on a ten day, or did they end up rest of seasoning him? He might have just been on 10 days. I think he was
2: just attended.
3: It's ridiculous we even remember this guy, much less the Bucks remembered him and said, Hey, there's people who literally won G League MVP available in the free agency right now, but let's go with twenty nine year old Axel Tupon for our second two way.
2: Yep. And you know, just disregard Miles Powell.
3: <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um yeah, I don't even want to get into Miles Powell again. Okay, uh, our shorts. Who are we who are we shorting this week?
2: Um, this is tough. It did not pay off for me this week. It did pay off for you. Yeah, uh, I shorted Jordan Wara. That did not work out. Uh, he actually went. Uh, when you went up,
3: you went. You nu- uh, uh, went up too. I was going to say nuclear. Or he went up one actually since last time. Yeah. But
2: I'm gonna. I'm going to short Bryn Forbes. I'm back,
3: oh, man. This is this is your playbook. This is your playbook right here. As Cody says, I'm I'm rude for calling him bowling ball bonds. He's a good guy, Notre Dame finest. But uh, you're shorting Bryn Forbes. Are you just you're just going to hope he misses threes. That's pretty much the Bryn. Well, I'm Forbes not going to hope case? that. Again, well, it's a yeah. win-win. If no, if he keeps
2: making threes, it's a win. And if he doesn't, it's a win on the market.
3: That's true. That's a good point. Um. I don't know who I'm gonna short. All of the shorts hurt me at this point. I feel like, I mean that, if we're not gonna ever put him on the board, if he was on the board, I would, I would short Karooks every time. But we're not even putting him on the board. Um, God, these are all gonna be so painful. You know, I'm gonna got pick. I know, I know, I know. Uh, I'm gonna short Dante. It's not gonna work, but I'm gonna short Dante. Maybe this is the reverse jinx. The Dante. you know, we know Dante consumes my content in a hateful manner. <laughs> Maybe this is the, the spark that will light up a, a huge stretch run for Dante DiVincenzo. So I'll, I'll go ahead and show it White Dante.
2: Okay. And uh, yeah, so Dante, for like honestly, like you mentioned earlier, Dante is just like, it's 50-50 basically. Just <laughs> the most
3: volatile player imaginable. Of course, of course. It's just, it's
2: great when it's good and when it's not, it's just... <sighs> It feels bad. In that's the, all I'll say.
3: In the Orlando, I was gonna say Charlotte again. In the Orlando game, he sets a screen for Chris Middleton and rolls to the basket and scores a layup over two defenders. And I was like, "Oh my god! Oh my goodness!" Like Dante Divincenzo finished a layup. Hopefully, he's gonna get on a little roll. And I think he ended up biffing three layups over the rest of the game. And it's just like it's, it's it was a thing that was kind of funny at first, a little bit funny to me. And now I'm just like, I'm actually concerned anytime he goes up for a layup. Like the the Thanasis layup I mentioned earlier, I put this in a tweet. Like he saw that the guy with him and the two-on-one in the fast break was Dante. I really think that was a big part of his calculus on why he went for that difficult layup that he ended up making. I feel like Thanasis is like, listen, it's I go for a difficult layup against this guy or I pass to Dante we don't know what's going to happen if Dante goes for a layup here. Let me just go for it myself. Like, I, I, I feel like the team might might almost be acknowledging this at this point. Like, it's it's kind of an issue.
2: I mean, it's it's hard not to notice. <laughs> <This> <laughs> right. His inconsistency. I mean, if we're noticing it, imagine what this guy's doing in practice. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you think
3: Dante's athletic? I feel like that's a point of contention.
2: He definitely is. You can tell with his rebounding. Uh, he's definitely athletic. He's not like a vertical athlete that he was uh, pinned to be, right? Uh, in terms of actually uh, putting it together on the basketball court, he is definitely an athlete, though.
3: Do you think Pat is more of an athlete than Dante? Yeah. I feel like they probably have competitions about this all the time.
2: Oh, for sure, and Pat probably wipes the floor with them.
3: I would think so. It's it's it is funny how like athleticism can mean so many things. Because I agree with you, like. I don't think Dante is unathletic, but he certainly like does not have that lift to make obviously to make finishing at the rim easy. And it is always like it's just nerve wracking to watch when he's approaching the rim. Like it, it really it makes me uneasy. Like I sit watching the game from home on a laptop and I'm like. All, like visibly nervous in my house, like my hands are clammy watching Dante approach the rim. I, I don't know. Well, I do know. I don't know why I said I don't know. I do know. <laughs> it, it concerns me. And I really think, I really do think that is like a solid portion of the Dante DiVincenzo vol- uh, volatility. I was going to say validity volatility. Because I think the three-point shooting has been overall strong. It, there's been some dips as as happens, but overall pretty strong. The defense overall strong. I do think... He's gotten beat at point of attack a little bit too much. I think he just has this rep as a good defensive player, but it's mostly his off-ball defense feeding into that. And so when he gets beat, it's like confusing, but I don't know if he was ever really like a stopper on the ball. And obviously we've seen some defensive decision-making here and there as well. But I really do think if he was a consistent finisher, all the other stuff would look like peanuts in comparison. How do you feel about that take that like, Dante is a consistent finisher away from feeling like a much better player in the hole.
2: I think that's very fair. It's, it's realistically like the one major hole in his game. I mean, I guess you could argue the three point shooting in terms of consistency, but like finishing at the rim is much, much more needed because it like the one thing the bucks really, really need from those two guard. It's one thing they've really missed with the, I don't want to bring his name up, but Malcolm Brogdon is Mm. uh, just like that north to south finishing. That's something that they've really missed. They've really missed that. Drew has brought that back a lot. Chris is unlocking that part of his game more. If they had that from Dante, that would be a whole other level for this team. And that's just something that's really missing right now. Because like you were talking about, you don't really know what's going to happen when Dante goes to the rim. It's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to (laughs) get. So, Actually, did you know its life was like a box of chocolates? Chocolates, not is. I don't know if I do that. It is. It was was like a box of chocolates.
3: Well, there's uh, your Forrest Gump fact of the uh, of the podcast. Don't expect anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a good note here from Neba. I think. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, but I really do like this observation. Dante's lack of finishing has more to do with strength, IMO. Yeah, I could see that because I feel like... Is he an avoids contact kind of guy when he goes up? I guess I hadn't really thought about it like that before, but I... Now, thinking back on it now, I do feel like I don't know how often he, like, is going to go up and try to finish through contact. You can see there's, like, different types of relishing contact amongst NBA players. Like, there's he some guys. He goes to draw fouls. Right. Like, yeah. And, like, there's some guys who will go to draw fouls and, like, just be fine, like, absorb the contact and then try to finish. I don't really see that. From, that's, that's such a great observation. I'm going to think about that more when I watch him from now on for the rest of the season. But that is like, it's really hard. I think to be a very good finisher, if you're not strong enough to absorb some contact, like you pretty much have to be a, and I'm not saying these guys can't, but like a Steph Curry, Kyrie Irving, like you can always find glass to find careen the ball off of and get it in. Or in Steph's case, I mean, just throw a floater up to the rafters that just falls in somehow. But Dante, uh, neither of those guys at either of those things. So, uh,
2: And even Steph. Steph's bulked up, and that's helped his finishing ability a lot. And you see that, like, the epitome of that is Thon Maker. <laughs> because it's like, you would think, oh, this guy's, like, over seven feet tall. He should be able to, like, work well around the basket. No, no. He he was not <laughs> strong enough to to hang down there. So it strength is a big part of that. I think that's a great observation.
3: I would agree. I would agree with that. Um, If anyone else has any topics of convo or would like to hop up on stage at some point, I I realize we missed a question from Richard earlier. Is it just me or does Merrill have a little James Jones to his game? I don't even know how to approach that. I have no idea, honestly. (laughs) I don't even know what James – does he mean Green Bay Packers James Jones? I'd assume not. I mean, what is the other James Jones
2: really known for? um giving the Lakers Tyson Chandler
3: yeah right like um and also
2: being a good GM like Phoenix is good
3: <laughs> yeah yeah I, I I mean if if Sam Merrill can uh make those kind of moves maybe he can be a, a player GM. this is I, just I don't showing
2: know. like this is it's not saying that's a bad question we just we do not know
3: <laughs> yeah I, yeah I I need to know which James Jones he means because I feel like I could maybe see the uh I could maybe see the Packers, James Jones. There's also wow. an American novelist named James Jones.
2: Really? Has he written yeah. anything well no.
3: I we've never I've, we you didn't know he was a novelist, so I'm gonna say no. <laughs>
2: um
3: okay. No, I wanna hear I wanna
2: hear this, but don't move off this. How is how is he like Packers, James Jones?
3: You know, Steve Novak today on the call said that Merrill had a little bit of swag and then talked about how he doesn't wait long to shoot his free throws, which apparently is swag. And Packers James Jones was known for wearing a hoodie under his uh, uh, pads, which I, I would also argue is some swag. So that is the I similarities. I want everyone
2: to appreciate the lengths that Ty went to to validate that <laughs> take. Because <laughs> he just pulled that from nowhere.
3: <laughs> James Jones' nickname is really champ, huh? I guess so. I guess so. Um, oh, he yeah. got increased playing time to the malice of the palace.
2: Did he really? Okay. Yeah. Would you look at that? And yeah.
3: James Jones, the author, has not written anything I've read. And he never got increased playing time ever.
2: No, no, he didn't. <laughs> uh, he died from congestive heart
3: failure. Oh my God, it's sad. <laughs> R.I.P. R.I.P. That James Jones, but none of the sports ones that I know of, at least uh okay we're we're way off the rails what else from this game uh is worth talking about here rohan
2: uh do we want to talk about the uh jordan warra uh debate that is overtaking bucks twitter
3: yeah yeah let's d- dive in i'd lay this out for anyone who's lucky enough to not be that online like what 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 is this I, i'm not i'm not even sure if i'm totally aware like what is this debate
2: So basically, there's just this, there's talk about whether Jordan Wara should be taking up Pat Connaughton's minutes. Uh, Given, this is coming off the heels of his career high 24 points uh, against Charlotte, where he had, yeah, 24 points, on 9 of 16 shooting, 4 of 10 from 3. He did have 6 assists, 6 rebounds, excuse me, 2 assists and a steal, Um, only 1 foul. So it was a good game. It was a career best game for Jordan Wara. There was also uh, no other uh, real offensive threats playing for the Milwaukee Bucks that we had talked about uh, earlier in that game. It's, it's difficult because Jordan Wara, he does have really good potential. I think he should see like spot minutes here and there uh, in terms of actual playing time during the regular season. Regular season, uh, emphasis on that. The thing is, like he, he gets so lost defensively. So lost defensively. Yeah. It's... It's what, like Cody just pointed this out in the chat, nowhere near ready on the defensive end, in my opinion. It's, it's why, because he is a rookie and this is to be expected. Rookies always make defensive mistakes. You can't really pick up NBA defenses this quickly. And, you know, like that's important. That's really important for this team. Like Jordan Mora, sure, he does bring like a a good off the dribble shooter uh, in terms of offensive production. But what he does not bring is versatility whatsoever on the defensive end, which Pat does bring. And also, Pat can, he can work on the offensive end. He can be a shooter. We saw that in this game against Orlando. We, like you mentioned earlier, he has been slumping a little bit, but he still manages to, you know, finish at the rim, do, you know, fun Pat stuff. But just his versatility on the defensive end just puts him leaps and bounds ahead of Jordan
3: Moura. Yeah, and Justin chimed in here in the in the chat and said, uh, "Wara is also lost without the ball on offense. Uh, Pat cuts and moves better. I would agree there. I think you know how with a lot of football analogies and references in this podcast. You know how like sometimes a, a player wide open in space in the NFL will like get a, pa- a good pass thrown to them and drop it because like in their mind they had already caught it and were running to go score a touchdown, right? Like." That's how I think Jordan War is at playing basketball right now. Like, I think his mind all the time is thinking about, like, what's the next shot I'm about to take? And when you're thinking about that on defense and suddenly your man has wandered away and is shooting a wide-open three, it's really hard to justify major rotational minutes in the playoffs, at least. I, I, I still think, I do think he should play more in the regular season. I think he has shown enough to this point that he absolutely can be a flamethrower on offense, and should at least be one of those like test the waters kind of players. Like, see, is he is a he Michael sh- Beasley? Sure, <laughs> yeah, actually, a, a, a Michael cut. Beasley. Um, man, Bees could have been so good, and if if the, some couple things were different, but um, but yeah, I, I think
2: the touching uh, Anthony Tolliver's knee.
3: Oh my what a great what a great gift that is. What a great clip. But um but no, I, I just think Wara, like the potential's there. I think, you know, to kind of toss him out there, test the waters. If he's yeah, gonna that's, just that's
2: how you learn, that's how you get right. better. Right,
3: and exactly, yeah, and I think he needs to take some lumps to get better too. But I think like people talking about, you know, he should be locked in there for 30 minutes a game and Pat should never play and War should get a bunch of playoff run. You know, I that I, I just don't agree with. Like I think Pat's floor, albeit boring, like, we know where it is. Like, he's not – even when he's having a, a kind of bad shooting night, like, he's not probably going to actively hurt the team. He's just kind of there, and that's what I think the Bucks need from a team that has so many guys who should have the ball all the time. So, like, if Pat is one for four from three in a game, it, it's sh- – like, it, it's just – it should not matter that much. That's always been my thing with Pat kind of, Pat. For, and I'm not saying as a person, Pat you matter. Okay. You you are valid, you are seen, you matter. But as a basketball player on this team, it just shouldn't be that important uh what what Pat is doing in any given game. And and yeah, Justin says he has something else to think about. War isn't at the Nassis's level impact yet. Again, again, if the Nassas had that three point shot down, man, I really think he would be better than than all of the guys in this conversation. Like it would be He and PJ Tucker as the reserve forwards and nobody else even worth considering. Unfortunately, that three point shot, just not there.
2: For sure. For sure. He like, I don't want to say like Jordan Roy shouldn't play at all. Like you've been saying, I've been saying he should play, he should get some run again. Like I said earlier, this is how you learn. This is how you get better at what we're talking about. He just, he's not ready currently at this point for a major rotational role. And it's worth pointing out that he's getting a lot of minutes right now because Giannis is out, (laughs) you know, Giannis eats up a lot of minutes, a lot of minutes. So when Giannis gets back probably soon, uh, like we uh, talked about earlier, it's, there's going to be a lot less playing time available and it's going to go to people who can actually prove themselves and have proven themselves to be worthy of it. And like, that's going to be split between Pat and Warrow. Like Pat is going to get a majority of those minutes because he actually is an impact player. Like he can be an impact player. So can Wara, but Pat's done it more consistently and on both ends.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think that puts a bow on it nicely. But I do think like maybe by next year, Wara has now put himself in the real rotation, like really just needs to iron out some of those deficits, like what he can do on offense, what he's shown already in his very young career as the 45th overall pick in the draft there's something there like there's clearly something there nobody at least no one that I've seen and certainly neither of us are denying like the reverse finish was incredible his his three-point shot is weird like his shot is weird but he sure makes them like he has a ton of offensive potential and he's a guy who the Bucks should really work on developing through you know I probably not playing with the G League team I, I think he might be a little bit too far along from that but I'd doesn't help that it didn't exist this year either. Um, And again, by next year, you're hoping he's probably ready to play a little bit more regularly than that. But, you know, for all the ups and downs and downs and ups and ups and downs, kind of like Dante DiVincenzo, who I feel like the team, that was like one of the players they were really committed to developing, and we've seen some returns. I mean, he's a starter now. You know, people can, can have their dithers about if he should be or not, but he's certainly gotten better. There's no question about that. And for him, it was shooting. That's what he really needed to get down. Wara needs to get down being a more consistent defender. But hopefully the team you know buys in there and, and you know tries to work hard with him on getting there. It'll come down to him at the end of the day. But I just feel like we've seen so many promising young players who were a tool or two being refined away go refine it somewhere else and, and look really good on other teams. A Sterling Brown. Yeah, man. Sterling's the one I keep thinking about, honestly. And he's good. We saw it too. I mean, like here is it we we saw what how close he was, but also how far he yeah. was. But like you know, get the shot down a little bit more consistently, and there was clearly going to be something there. And never really felt like he got the opportunity with the Bucks, yeah. um, and
2: he wasn't going to realistically. So props to him. Um, yeah, a,
3: a summer league will be big for the rookies next year for sure.
2: For sure, uh, <laughs> that was pointed out in the chat. It's just. Yeah, not having a summer league is, uh, that was difficult for all rookies across the league, uh, and not just rookies, second year players as well. You had guys like Josh Hart winning MVP, uh, MVP. That was funny. Uh, Josh Hart, and actually that worked out. He's really good now. Um, yeah, yeah, summer league. I, I hope summer league happens, man.
3: I, I think it's fun. supposed to. I actually kind of forgot it didn't happen. I, I'm all the more impressed right now with like the, Tyrese Halliburton's and LaMelo balls of the world who have just like came in and been really good because yeah, that's a great, I didn't even think about the fact that there was no summer league this year. Like that feels like a great opportunity for some of these young guys to like get used to the level of play. I mean, obviously it's not really, but at least, you know, the athleticism and, and everything close to NBA, it's like a nice stepping stone. That, that is huge to, uh, to the young guys. I want to circle back. We're getting good comments right now. But something Cody said earlier about how Thanasis brings a lot. His energy is most important. This team seems to get in lulls regularly, which is odd with Giannis at the helm. I see. I'm glad that other people see this too, because it feels like one of those buzzword type things almost like energy. Thanasis brings so much energy. Like, does that really mean anything? I feel like it does. It definitely does. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you, I'm glad we're on the same page.
2: Yeah, it's it's infectious. You see that on the court. It's like it's one of those things you don't mess. It's like it's cliche to say, oh, it doesn't get quantified in the box score. But you can actually see it quantified in the box score. You can see it with steals and rebounds and sort of that sort of hustle stats. And, you know, he gets that. And also the unquantifiable uh, sort of uh, intangibles, I should say, that you get when you bring uh, the Nasus onto the court. You just get extra possessions. You get, you know, like north to south, like lightning quickness. You need that. That's why like a guy like Norm Powell is so impactful because he brings like solid north to south quickness, just someone who goes out there and attacks. Given Norm Powell is really really good and he shouldn't be like necessarily like the litmus test for an energy guy, but that sort of archetype in the in a sense like a guy who will go out there and attack. And Thanasis is one of those guys and he does it in in different ways he does it realistically mostly on the defensive end. though he is bringing it on the offensive end like we touched about earlier it's just it is very very good to see he's one of those guys that's just he's going to impact the floor he's going to make winning plays and I, I get I get how I'm sounding right now but it's true
3: that's my takeaway every single game I watch him except for you know again the one where he was like the second option on the team which obviously is not sustainable at all but he just he really does go out there and just fight to make winning plays and i, I think he's cut down his turnovers a lot i think turnovers was a bad a, a negative for him earlier this season but i feel like he's taking better control of the ball and every every 50-50 ball it feels like is going to go to the like he gets so many extra possessions per game and pretty much always is going to kick it out and get it to a quite frankly more capable offensive player and that's something that what was it the Miami game really early in the season where the Bucks made like 10,000 threes like he was finding shooters in that game and that to me I'd, I'd seen him with the herd in most most of the most of my time watching the was watching him with the herd and he was like 1v5ing for a solid portion of his herd minutes like he was down there really just like trying to take over games which was mixed results uh there but it was nice to see him distribute and kind of, you know, find shooters and, and keep the ball moving when it had to move. And I do feel like winning plays is just a good way to think about the Nasis. That's what he's provided this year. And I guess the question I had to go with this, it's a little more serious, but like, is it a problem that it's so much noticeable, so much more noticeable, the energy with the Nassis when he is on the floor versus everybody else, right? Like, shouldn't, Shouldn't there be more non-Thanasis energy on the team? Is this is this a problem? Is this something we should think about more? I think it's,
2: I think the comparison is tough because he is such a high, high energy guy that yeah. anyone else is going to seem like super low, but you do get it with the guys like Bobby Portis. Like Bobby Portis is an energy guy yes. and it's just not to the level of Thanasis, but he is an energy guy. Giannis is a massive, <laughs> massive energy guy. It's, it's tough. Like Drew plays with energy. I, would, I Drew
3: is yeah. like when Drew scores in the tall trees, I feel like those are and, and some of his defense, but like his and ones, I think, bring an underrated amount of energy. Like the team Offensive gets freaking
2: his putbacks.
3: Yes. It's like just when he when he's down there just like big bodying somebody, especially if it's like his actual cover, and you can just tell if he's like F it, like I'm gonna make this guy's whole chest hurt and score right now. I think that that fires up the team a whole lot.
2: For sure. For sure. So I don't really think it's a massive problem in terms of not having enough energy, guys. I do agree with Cody, like this team does get into lulls sometimes, and that's just it feels like it's just complacency on the offensive end at times. Yeah. But I don't think it's because of a lack of energy,
3: guys. That's fair. Okay. We got we got Jake up here. Jake's been promising me on Twitter a bud. Bobby Portis rant. Let's hear it. I want I'm excited to react to this. What what is your thoughts on Bobby Portis and Bud? Only playing twenty minutes a game for this team. He played twenty minutes a game last year for the Knicks and they had eighteen power forwards.
1: <laughs> this team has one center besides him. And Giannis has been injured for like thirty games in a row.
3: That so like you just you you want more Bobby Portis? And why are they playing him in a drop screen uh scheme? Yeah. That's a, that's a great question. So I I don't know if, have we thought about this? Have we talked about this? Like Portis not playing that many minutes lately, Rohan? I feel like, I don't know. I, I, I don't think so either. I, I don't know if I ever, I think lately I would like to see it more. And I think really the overall minutes I, I haven't always seen. Uh, Justin throws in a good point. Bud was not happy with his defense against Charlotte. Yeah, his defense again. Although Marcus said on the broadcast, he didn't think that play it was actually Bobby Portis's fault. But that's neither here nor there. That was I, a fun. That was a
2: fun uh, live mic situation. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that was a, a. It was fun to see fired up Bud at least about something. Was it? Was it the Warriors game that Portis doesn't close despite being so yes. much? But yeah, see that that kind of thing gets me more upset than his overall minutes numbers, even in these situations. So in that game, Portis plays twenty eight minutes. Then in the Mavericks game, oh, is that, oh, he set out that game, I think. Oh, no, he plays 34 minutes against Dallas. So I think in some of these games, he's been playing enough minutes. And then in the Charlotte game, he played 25. And yeah, that was the one where Bud was pissed off. And also, not a great shooting night for Bobby Portis. So it's not the overall minutes with me. I think this goes to, I think, a really good conversation on Twitter the other day that was like, is the Bucks rotation uh, mediocre? Nope. Merit, merit. Why can't I not say this word? Rohan, do you know the word? Yes, please say it again.
2: Meritocracy.
3: Yes. Um. And OG, OG says he should have closed the Warriors game. Absolutely, definitely should have. And that was my take at the time, and it definitely still is. There is a concern: the Bucks rotation is not based enough on merit, um because like Porter should have played big minutes and closed that game. And I'm I'm always going to look at I think closers more than overall minutes, unless it's like really egregious and that Warriors game situation really reminded me of Wes Matthews, not playing in the heat series to close those games. And then Wes Matthews subsequently leaving to take the same money to go play in LA. Like, I think that stuff matters. And I I don't think Bobby Portis needs to play 30 games every single night. I do think though, like when he's on and cooking and he doesn't, I don't don't think it looks like he hits a, a wall or anything. I feel like he can handle some solid minutes. I do think like it should be, he should play more and eat up some of Brooke Lopez's minutes if he's just playing clearly better.
2: For sure. For sure. It's, it's tough. Like I feel like a guy like Bobby Portis is a guy who's better in almost like condensed minutes. Like I mentioned earlier. I I do.
3: I, yeah, I see the vision there.
2: It's because it's like, he's a guy who will go out there and score for you. Like when it's, when Bobby Portis is on the court, Bobby Portis is doing things like that. That's what's happening. You even see minutes where it's like, Giannis and Chris and Drew maybe not Giannis but Chris and Drew are on the court and they're throwing it to Bobby in the post to take a face-up jumper like I know that shot is coming and a lot of the times it goes in credit to him but also like Chris and Drew are on the court why are you taking standing face-up jumpers yeah uh, with 15 seconds left on the shot clock (laughs) he does love that shot man that's his. That's his thing. Yeah, that's his thing. It is, his and thing. <laughs> like it can, you can tell when it's coming every single time because it's not like he fakes it and drives. That's not what he's gonna do. He's gonna take that face of jumper. But it's it's better to see him in shorter shorter stints because he can actually go out there and be someone who's going to score the ball for you. Like I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm saying it in a good way. You gotta reserve that for when you need it.
3: Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point in a vacuum, although like in these certain situations, like the Warriors yeah. game, like without a doubt, you agree on this, right? Like he should have closed that game. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I think generally uh, Justin, maybe I already read this, but 25 minutes a game is fine. If Giannis is healthy. I think so too. The last, the last point that you brought up Jake, and, and thanks for, thanks for unleashing those thoughts. I don't like Bobby in the drop at all. I don't think he's good at it. I, I think it's, I thought it was going to work solidly well because it doesn't seem that hard but apparently it is kind of hard at least it looks pretty difficult when Bobby Portis is out there executing it and also like if you can switch why not switch most of the time like I think especially Portis a little bit on the smaller side for a player who is a four or five I think more five than four but whatever like I think switching could be a real strength of the Bucks with Portis because he's got that foot speed that we've seen make a big difference like rotating and closing out on shooters So I would not personally like to see him running drop ever. I don't think he's, again, I just don't think he's that good at it, but I I don't know. I I guess the way they run zone, maybe drop is better than zone. Although I still have some, some hope in zones potential.
1: I guess I think the zone
3: definitely has. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: I I guess it just brings me like this year. People have been saying like,
3: yeah, Bud is trying different things, but he's not, he's still doing the same
1: like non-adjustments to simple stuff that would put his players in the best positions to succeed that like we've seen in the past, like yeah. Bob five of six tonight. And I mean, he's not necessarily known for, as a post threat. Like, why are you having Bobby play drop scheme against him after he's made, you know, four threes in a row?
3: Yeah. I don't know if God could have stopped Boban tonight, but no, I I do think your, your point though is valid. And I feel like our, our is that a lot? No, two pods ago. Cause we did, we did the Drew Holiday, financial buck situation pod. So listen to that if you haven't already, but two pods ago after, was that right after the Warriors game, right? That late night pod where yes. we really kind of laid into bud for what you're saying there. It's like they is trying some different things for sure that we're seeing switching. We don't usually see that. We've seen that the, the God awful zone that they needs a lot of work, but some of the core principles and, and core failures are still there from p- previous years. And like the inexplicable wrong decision on who to close out the game with. That's not that's not trying something new. We've seen that one before. Um and just a disregard for three-point shooters. We've seen that one before. So I do think this is like the ugly part of of this Bud season is even as we've seen these new wrinkles, it's like new wrinkles on the same old dress.
2: For sure. And also like I don't know if I'm really want to say like, oh I'm going to go out there and defend Bud in this situation, but I do want to present the argument. Like Bobby Portis in a drop scheme. I don't know if that's. It, it might be the same
3: level as Bobby Portis switching. I've <laughs> liked his switching, but yeah, I know. I know, know you're not a
2: great points. defender. Yeah,
3: no, it's not, it's not his thing. It's very much not his thing.
2: It's just. And also, like, Mo Bamba, like. No. Mo
3: Bamba's not good. <laughs> yeah, I think I the like, Mo Bamba thing was a little inexplicable. The Magic are just an absolute train wreck. Um, but. This game, I I don't think had the greatest examples, but I do think overall, I I think it's our points are still valid. Just because, just because there weren't glaring faults that really cost them against this god awful Orlando team that I think had scored like fifty some points through three quarters that weren't Mo Bamba threes. Like, okay, it's it's not even Bud is gonna make this one close for the other team, but um, there's just some concerning things and. Well, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how the playoffs go. But um, I'm a little concerned that there's going to be some close games and some good series. And I still think the potential is there for there to be a very a, a great, deep playoff run. I do think we're going to be frustrated a few times, though, come May or June or whatever the hell the playoffs are I this year. I will
2: say, though, these sort of inexplicable games where you're like, why are you making these decisions, have come against the
3: most garbage teams. Yeah, but the Warriors, one was a close game. That's fair,
2: but it's it's not like a game that they were necessarily taking super, super seriously. Like,
3: again, the honest didn't play. Yeah, but... I mean, I'm not ever,
2: saying I agree with that. I'm just presenting it.
3: Yeah. Um, one last topic before we wrap here. Justin brings it up. I think we mentioned this a while back in this this locker room, but how do we feel about Karuks? I don't think bad. they should have let him play, but it looks like he's here. Yeah, bad. Um, we're not putting him on the stock exchange. Just seems like a, a very bad dude based on bad yep, that person we're, based yep, on the reporting.
2: All we're going to say, uh, not just reporting, just like what he's actually done because he's yeah, played yeah, guilty yeah. to what he's done. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, not recognizing him. He's not going to ever be on the stock market. He's only been playing because they do not have other available players. And that is all.
3: I hope he's not in the regular garbage time five, but I'm worried he's going to be now because, like, they just. Yeah. Did he play over Axel in this game? Was Axel active? Axel was
2: uh, maybe he was inactive. inactive. He looked. He was. He was. Inactive.
3: Okay. Okay. I was. If it was straight up, if he straight up played over, um, over him, that that's bad. OG just says Diakite. SMH. Yeah. Did, if they play the same minutes, that sucks. Did did Kuruks play more than Diakite in this game? Same amount. Oh, still not. It's not good enough. It. Yeah. I no no good take on Karoox. I hope he is expeditiously gone at the end of the season. I don't think the wave is happening anymore. W a i v e, not the stadium thing, but um, I, I think he's going to be around for the rest of this run. Luckily, it seems like Bucks Twitter has like bullied them into deleting some content with him, which uh, the, yeah, the Bucks account, Bucks which Twitter, go a rare time on all four. I think, uh, I think Bucks Nihilist Twitter.
2: Bucks is actually actively organizing every time he plays or scores that they're donating to a charity uh, to survivors
3: of domestic violence. So, Sean oh, that's around. so cool. I actually had no idea about that, but um, it's, it's, I think it's been going on since we've started this pod. Okay. I'm going to have to check that out, but yeah, no, uh, just to sum it up. Yeah. F that guy, basically. Yep.
2: Yep. Yep. All right. That's it. Uh, way to close? Any, yeah. Any other last things or should we wrap mm-hmm. this
3: up? No, I feel like, I feel like that does it for this one.
2: Okay. So thank you everyone. Who's, listening to us live here on locker room as we do every Sunday buck stonk radio as we call it (laughs) stock radio stonk radio is more fun though yeah uh yeah but yeah thank you for listening live if you are listening to this as a podcast thank you for listening uh make sure you leave a rating on apple and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice make sure you tell all your family and friends about the show and follow us on locker room because again we do this every sunday uh, this one was weird because you know we usually do it earlier but there was a game today so you know you, you want to do it after the game <laughs> um but yeah thank you for listening please stay safe everyone check out all of the content across the blue wire podcast network and we will talk to you next time